I think that the places where you haven't been healed yet, it takes far more trust to bring those places to God than to bring the places where you feel like you're doing okay. You know, you're like, well, I have a victory in this area. And God's like, that's great. I got lots of victory. I want a little more of the empty space. I want a little more of the hard space. I want a little more of the spaces that you're a little worried to let go because you haven't got it together yet. And God's like, well, that's great, but I have things together. I just want maybe some of those spaces. And so um, what a weird and melancholy way to start this sermon. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. I've been on vacation for like forever. You have a mustache? You have a mustache? How have I not seen this? I've been, I've been singing beside you. And we had that other service too. Why did you do that? It's not like Movember or whatever. I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met, sorry. I was talking with a couple of our uh, dream teamers, our volunteers, and I want you to get involved in your church. And, uh, and they're like, oh, it's been great. People, new people have been coming. They're like, it's going to be weird now that you're here. It's like you have a wedding and everything's amazing. And then like the weird uncle gets up and gets the microphone. And you're like, no, no, where did we didn't even have a microphone. Are Jesse and T getting married like this week? I hope you're not doing an open mic. I haven't looked over the service order yet or whatever, but there are no open mics. Um, we flew in uh, real late last night and um, uh, we actually had the opportunity. We, we were up 4 a.m. on Wednesday. We got back uh, from vacation at about 4 p.m. on Tuesday. And we got up at 4 a.m. Wednesday. Somebody um, invited us to a, a, a gathering of Canadian church leaders. Uh, great privilege to be invited there. All expenses paid at Malibu in BC. So we have been on boats and cars and Ubers and more boats and planes since about 9.30 yesterday. And I am one of two of those group of pastors of about 40 who are preaching this morning. Because I love you and I miss you. I'm just going to say that. And I have a word of, of, of God for you, and, uh, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Uh, there's a miracle in the room for you, and um, I think some of you have settled for like the little miracles that you can sort of do, and I think God is like, oh God, like dude, I feel like God is saying to somebody, dude, like way too small, way too small, way too small. There's something God wants to do in your life today, that, um, but you're afraid to ask him, because maybe the last time you asked, you didn't. You didn't get maybe what you wanted. I'm going to explain about uh, about miracles today. Are you guys ready to go? Um, yeah. Um, miracles are kind of weird when they happen. If they're not weird, they're not really miracles, right? Like I've been thinking about this. Um, Elisha is the, is the prophet I'm going to talk about today. That eventually I'm going to give you like the kicker right now. Like he, he raises a boy to a dead boy to life by body slamming him and you're like that's not how i would do it and i'm like i know that's why the boy is still dead that's why the dream is still dead because you just don't you haven't body slammed it yet just give me a... this is what we do here by the way so if you don't like that i'm sorry um watch it one of elisha's first miracles one day the the leaders of the town of jericho visited elisha we have a problem my lord they told him the town is located jericho was a big deal back then right and so this is not like a tiny town, but they said, we have a problem. The town is located and it looks great, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. And, and uh, so it was like water filtration back then. Uh, 
Is he talking about water filtration? I guess I am. It's not like it is now where you turn the tap on and it's filtered. It's like going to Nose Creek and, and dipping uh, something in there and then giving it to your kid to go to school with, right? Have you seen Nose Creek? You know, you want to dip stuff in there and drink that? Well, so, so they had a great, so they had like everything was great except for like the water supply. This is going to preach. I feel like I'm, this is brilliant. I feel like these, they're not getting it. So everything in their life was great, but there was that one thing that was just killing them. And they're, they're by this river, they're, they're like, everything is great, but the water's not great. And Elisha says, uh, bring me a bowl with salt in it. So they did. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer, who purified it? I, the, God said, I purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. I Meaning it's no longer the death cycle that you've been experiencing and, and the lack of fruit. That time is done because God has purified it and the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. Now, here's the thing about that miracle. It's weird. And if you come and you're skeptical about the faith or your dad had no use for religion and he said it's all about the money. No, it's all about the heart. And sometimes that's where your money is. Anyways, um, no, no, no. If you're a skeptic, you look at that and you're like, but that's impossible. But that does Well, maybe you haven't noticed, but all of the miracles were weird and impossible. That's what makes them miracles. But this particular miracle still needed somebody with a bowl of salt. And you're like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. God's like, it was the seed for the miracle. Your miracle is not as far away as you think that it is today. Thanks, Sean. Um, I know what you, does anybody have a really crappy car? It's okay. You can put your hand up. Okay. You got a crappy car. So Eric is like, so you're telling me that if I take a pull of salt and rub that salt on that car, it's a Ferrari. Now it's going to be a Ferrari, right? Anybody have teenagers? It's okay to raise your hand for that too. I feel like it's okay to say that. We're not going to be like, you have teenagers? Oh my goodness. Um, it's like looking in their room and be like, what would clean this room? Because they won't. And it's like, I'm going to take a bowl of salt and toss it in there. And then you come back and the room is like all, all the clothes. You know what closets are for teenagers? Like clothes and stuff. And hangers. That's what they're, they're sitting there for. I haven't preached in a few weeks, so. This was the longest family vacation that we had before that in seven years, my kids told me this. And so thank you, church. You know what, I was, it was so great to leave with this team. I feel like the church got better. No, no, don't clap about that. <laughs> I sort of feel like I set that up, so that's on me. I gotta figure out how to preach again. Um, <laughs> thank you, mustache man. The, uh, Maybe you have a relationship. You're like, well, I don't really, I don't really need a miracle. But yeah, you have a relationship that's not working right now. And you need a, a type of a miracle there. Um, maybe your mind isn't right about something. And every time your wife says something, you just like, you put it in that same, in that same box. You know what I mean? And, uh, and your arguments escalate too fast or, or, um, or you're in church and things are getting a little bit weird. They were, it was always going to be a little weird, but I mean, you know that there's something or you come to worship and you remember when you used to worship and it wasn't hard and it was like, you could worship. I mean, you could, you could worship anywhere with anything and you had that joy of your salvation and you could go in the, in the, you could walk 
by a tree and be like, that reminds me of God and amazing and worship and pick up two branches and worship with them. And now you come here with all the stuff and you're like, there's something that's not working. You know, I think when, when worship gets a little weird for me or a little dull and I, I feel like I'm, I'm work, I'm having to work so hard at it, but I feel like I miss the joy or I miss something, you know, worship is tricky when you get weird with worship because there's really only two people in that relationship. There's you and then there's God. And sometimes we're like, well, I don't feel like I can worship anymore because of something else. And God's like, well, there's only two of us here and I'm perfect. It's like Pastor Aaron being married to me and God's like, there's only two of you and he's... And I look over here for a bit. Her friends are over here too. I'm going to go over here. The... uh, when you're, but it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. And it's your heart problem. Paul and Silas are singing in, at midnight in jail and they just been beat up and they didn't need to be there, but they were worshiping when they were there. They didn't have a problem worshiping and I have a problem worshiping here. You know, I realize it's a heart problem, but here's the deal. You need a miracle to fix your heart, right? Like you can try to work fix your, have you figured out how to fix your own heart? I haven't. Like if you figured out, like, tell me I'm a pastor, I should probably know. I can't. I can't fix you. I can't fix me. I don't, I don't know. I need a miracle. I need something. You're at the heart of your child. There's something wrong. They're, they're too defiant. They're too, their life is not going to work out. And, and there's, they need a miracle. They need something, right? Um, miracles are weird and unpredictable. They're weird. They're unpredictable. When they happen, they're just like, oh, wow. Um, but the pipeline blueprint is not. So I can't do the miracle for you, and nobody can really, except for God. But that pipeline, you gotta, you gotta think about this. The pipeline is not unpredictable. It's actually quite predictable. And I'm gonna share with you through the scriptures that when you build the pipeline, that's when the miracle comes. And so it's, I was thinking about it, it's, it's like this. There, there's like a, a uh, my house, if you've been there, it has walking paths behind it. And, um, and if that path was like a river, and it would be like, I need to get the, the, the river into my house, you know, if that's like our drinking water, or onto my yard so that it looks great. I have a neighbor whose yard always looks better than my yard by like that much. And God put her there to annoy me. But I want my yard to look better. And so it's like this river goes past and you need something in your home or you need something just in your heart or in your mind or something. You just need something. And you're like, how do I get that from God into my yard? Like, how do I get that from God to me? And then, then you do what I do. And I go, I'll go find like a hose and I'll, I'll, I'll cut a hose in half or something. And then I'll, I'll be like, I got to figure out how to get the, are you with me, Miles? You know, like it, it's not going to go from the river into my yard if I don't like figure out a way to pump it. Right. So then I'm going to go find like an air mattress pump and duct tape it. And I'm going to. Come on, we got farmers here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Nikki knows what, exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to like find some wire and I'm going to figure out a way to get this into, the, into my yard. And God's looking at this contraption that you build to meet your need. And he's like, what are you doing? Um, there's this thing where the river of God is kind of like a sovereign thing. Where God is like sovereign. 
And because I know that it's been, you've been wondering why God blesses uh, bad people sometimes. And you're like, I've been working hard at this. And like, she marries that guy and she's an idiot, you know? No. I feel like I come back and I don't know who I'm preaching to anymore. Because I know that that's true of like several of you. You're like, well, but there's this thing where the sovereignty of God, God is just good. But how do we get the river? And there's this thing where like good trees grow by the river and, and they feed people and they feed good people and bad people. So there's this thing there in the sovereignty of God that God is just good and wants to bless idiots, which is probably good for us. But because everybody's looking at you and being like, they're an idiot. Well, how come they're blessed? And you're like, well, you know, and so, but there's, there's something about that um, that you have to kind of think about it. But then there's this thing where God brings a miracle and a miracle is just weird and odd. And, and the buildup to miracles is weird and odd, but there's this pipeline that gets built there. Like, have you thought about the miracles in the Bible? Like, this is not fairy tales that people made up. Do you think that like people believe in, in God because a bunch of crazy people made up a bunch of crazy stories and they're like, we're all that stupid. I know that people, I used to work with people like they were like, you guys are so stupid. I'm like, no, no, real people saw real people resurrected. And we're like there at the Red Sea and saw the sea open and real people like you and me with brains that work saw a miracle and they're like, oh, there must be a God in heaven because we can't, you know, and there's this time that, that Jesus, um, Peter needs to pay his tax, his taxes. And, and Jesus is like, go catch that fish and there will be tax money in his mouth. And you're like, why didn't Jesus is like, give him tax money out of his pocket. And Jesus is like. I'm, Je I'm Jesus. <laughs> and he wanted to mess one of his angels up because he wasn't doing that well. And he's like, hey, go get that fish and open his mouth and put some money in there. He's like, I don't want to touch that fish. He's like, go touch that fish. <laughs> because he can't. I don't know. Why does a bowl of salt fix a spring of water? Because God can. He's just showing you like, hey, look, I need you to do a little something. It won't be much and it won't make any sense. And, but if you don't do it, because God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And we get angry at God because we're like, how come you haven't fixed this? And God's like, I'm waiting for you to go get that bowl of salt or to go make that meal for the single mom. And you're like, but I need a new car. And God's like, I know I've seen your car, but your bowl of salt is going to, it's watch um, there's two types of miracle pipelines. There's the ones that you and I want to make that we can control. It's called like a natural uh, pipeline. Then there's the supernatural uh, pipeline that God... So there's a natural like hose, duct tape, air mattress pump thing that... But you're really only... When you're asking God for a miracle, even when we come in here, we're really wanting a miracle for like me. And most of my miracle about me is like, God, if you would fix gin, that would be a huge miracle for me. always about somebody else doing something right you know i love you jan i don't know why i just picked her she's sitting in the front don't sit in the front of church it's like it's mostly about somebody else doing something so there's like the natural pipeline that you build that's a bit of a joke but it can only give you natural results so there's a natural even if you're good at something like my wife is good at pastor aaron is like really like empathetic so she kind of gets you emotionally right and uh and that's a gift but she can only add things in there right god is like hey i've got this multiplication thing that i could do uh, with that gift, but I can also multiply it without a gift because I'm God, right? And so I can like multiply things that you don't even know. That's why when I'm preaching, sometimes people are like, how did you know the circumstance in my life that week? I'm like, because I have cameras all over. 
and I'm really smart. And you're like, wow, that can't be it. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like, it's like I, I speak maybe what God told me to write down or what God is speaking to me right now. So there's the natural pipeline that only yields natural results. The one that you build, the one that you control, the one that you blueprint, the one that when you pray, you ask God to like, I feel like God, you should give me this material to build it in this way. Cause I know how this should look. I know how to, God, if you'd give me this, then I could fix my teenager. And God's like, well, and then there's a the supernatural pipeline. So, um, the trouble is when, when you're like, God do this for me and you fill in the blank, you only fill in the blank with what you know. But I don't know if you figure this out yet that you don't know much because what you know got you into the mess that needed the miracle and you're going to fix it with what you know. So it's like, this is what I think. And this got me into a bit of a mess in this area of my life. Not that everything, some things happen to you, but we happen to a lot of things. And then, and so, so there's this like thing where it's like, I want to fix a natural problem that I kind of caused in a natural. And I want a God that I can tell what to do and give it to me in a certain way. Cause I know what I need. And it's like having a really young child sometimes. And when dad, you already know what they need. They don't know what they need. That's the problem yet. You know? And so then, and then there's the, the, the supernatural one. Cause all you're trying to do is get the water into your yard. The supernatural pipeline is a little bit different. It's a lot bigger. It's engineered. It takes more work. And your yard is just the first yard in that whole line that God wants to get to. So that's why we don't like it that much. Cause it's a, like a long-term investment. Like when you learn to invest in a church community, God's like, that's great. It, it will water your yard and feed you and your family or your situation. Like, yeah, that's a byproduct. But it's meant to go through your yard and into his yard and into her yard and into that yard out there. And you're like, why am I spending so much time leveling the ground out here? Like, that takes a lot of work. A hose doesn't take any of that. And God's like, that'd be great, but I'm a lot bigger than the hose thing. And if the sun gets too hot, your hose isn't going to do it anyways. And so it's this whole idea of the supernatural. But the supernatural, the way the blueprint doesn't make any sense to your brain. And it gets weird. Not that you should be weird as a Christian. There are lots of weird Christians out there. I've learned though, because I've spent a lot of time in my life, because naturally I'm very good at working it out. And I've learned, now I feel like I'm, I feel like I wake up sometimes, I'm like, I'm in the garage looking for that chunk of hose again. And it feels, I'm like, I'm working too hard and I'm trying to work out what God already planned to do. And I feel like I'm doing my thing, but I'm not doing his thing. I'm like trying all the things and it's not working. I lost my job on boxing day one time uh, when I was apprenticing in the trades. And uh, that was super classy of my boss. We just found out that week. He didn't know that uh, we were expecting our first baby, doubly classy. And then, and he was a Christian, but a weird one. My, the weirdest bosses I've ever had were Christians. So stop it. You can be normal and be nice and be a Christian too, everybody. In fact, that's kind of the whole point. Um, so I lost my job and it was a total shock. And, um, and looking back now, cause I spent a lot of years in the trade. I don't know what he was thinking. Cause I could have made him a lot of money, but anyways, God had a bigger plan. And uh, so we went to a family reunion that day and, and the copes are really good at working stuff out. Does anybody come from like that practical family? It was just like, Hey, we'll, we'll get it. Like we got it. And so my aunt heard about this from my mom and she was the only other Christian in the family at the time. And she said, well, I'm going to pray. But then she's like, I, I, 
Basically, let's work this out. Your cousin, who's an electrician, they have way more than enough work in Edmonton. Uh, you just have to, like, you can live with us. It wouldn't cost you a thing. And she had this whole plan in, like, four seconds. And that's what I do. That's, that's my jam. That's, I'm, like, into working it out. But I'm, like, as time went on, I started getting a little more, like, it's, it's too complicated. And, like, I don't know that God wants me to leave my pregnant and very, at the time, very sick wife to go and do the thing for money. Like, you know what I mean? And I could start feeling... You ever wake up and you're like, I'm working too hard. I don't know if God's working in this because I feel like it's, it's not, it's not working. It, it, there's like, there's no oil in the machine. There's no grace anymore. When your life is filled with grace, every time you turn, something profitable happens. It doesn't mean that it's an easy life, but it's a profitable life. It's, it's a life that helps people. And, um, and God worked out something supernatural. I won't go into that story. Let me go into this one. Here's a supernatural story. When I was, um. When I was little, maybe seven years old, uh, we lived in Los Angeles, and I had the chicken pox. Um, is that still a thing, chicken pox? Have we evolved? Anyways, we had chicken pox. We used to have chicken pox parties. <laughs> Bring your kids over, like, just get it out of the way. <laughs> Which I would have done with COVID, by the way, but everybody probably would have died, and that wouldn't have been good. I'm like, it's chicken pox. <laughs> it's good that I was not leading... The nations. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> is he seriously making fun of COVID? I was a little. The, um, so I've been reading about the story of Elisha, who's the main, the, uh, God is the main player of the sermon, but like, he's like the next main player. And Elisha, remember the story of Naaman? Did you grow up in Sunday school? And Naaman, who's a, a Syri- I think he was a Syrian commander. Anyways, he was an enemy commander. He, his nation actually used to fight against Israel. And God decides because he's good. This is when you're the idiot on and your work gets promoted and you don't because God is just good sometimes and he just wants to help people. And then he wants, he has leprosy though. And he comes to the prophet Elisha and he's like, I want to be healed of this leprosy and that mustache, man. I can't, I keep coming back to it. And <laughs> just give me a minute. Okay. So, and so I was reading this as a boy that, that the, he comes to Elisha and Elisha sends his servant out. And he, Elisha doesn't even come out, even though this guy is a big deal. And Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends his servant out. And his servant was, ended up stealing from Naaman. So his servant was even like a dud. And so he sends this dud out to tell Naaman, go and dip in the Jordan River seven times and God will heal you of your leprosy. And then Naaman's like, I'm a big deal. I don't want to do that. And his servants are like, well, do you want leprosy or not? And he's like, well, I guess I don't like leprosy. So he goes and dips in the Jordan River and he gets healed of leprosy. And I remember reading this as a child and I'm like, mom, fill up the tub. Chicken pox, it's done. I'm doing this right now. And mom was doing the thing that you do in those moments. And you're like, well, you know, when you tell your kid that God doesn't do miracles, you know what I mean? You're like, well, baby, you got chicken pox. It's just going to be a few days, you know? when you're all responsible or whatever. And, um, and mom goes, uh, God said to her, be quiet. I'm going to honor his faith. And so she fills up this, uh, this tub with water. And, uh, now she's preparing the mom thing of like, I'm going to have to talk to this disappointed child to be like, you still need to love Jesus, even though you don't get everything you want, you know? And so, but I get all excited and then I'm like, I'm making all this commotion after the tub was filled and I was in there and she comes into the tub and I'm like, privacy. And she comes into the tub and I'm standing there stark naked 
like seven years old, and I was a skinny kid because uh, asthma, I was a severe asthmatic, it had decimated me. And I was a skinny kid standing there dripping wet and no chicken pox. And I'm like, try that, put that in your pipe and smoke it, devil. Or skeptic. We need miracles today. And there are miracles there that if she'd open her mouth at the wrong time, oh, this is going to preach in the next. If she opened her mouth at the wrong time and spoke her fear and her disappointment, when God was like, just hang on for a little bit. Just let me, just give me a little space here. Just put a little salt in the water. You know, just do something that doesn't make any sense. Just fill the tub with water. God healed me of that asthma too, by the way. And then mom fattened me up with pancakes. And that's why this body looks the way it does. Cause she didn't handle the miracle properly. Cause I couldn't keep weight on. Cause I was so, you look great pastor. Thanks. It was a miracle when we started the church here that we got the performing arts theater. And when the city became not awesome to deal with, and we went into that school right there, that didn't feel like a miracle until March. You remember COVID? Yeah, then it felt like a miracle when that theater shut down for two years. And the owners here are like, hey, if you need to record stuff and if you need to do whatever you're allowed to do, then hey, just use the building. It was the only place in town and it sure. Then I'm like, I love orange lockers now. I love orange and red lockers. You shouldn't put those two colors together, I feel like. Is that a thing? I'm looking, I should look around first. No, it's good, it's good, we're good. I'm like, then it's a miracle. This building is a miracle. There's some salt in bowls that got poured in there though. See, God's got the river and the river is not going to run dry. And the river has more than enough for you. And the river has more than enough for everybody that you know, the river is not the problem. The problem is his blueprint for a miracle. doesn't look like your blueprint for a miracle. And he, sometimes he just wants you to put the salt in. Sometimes he just wants you to be nice to your neighbor who borrowed your lawnmower and thinks it's theirs. Sean and, and Nassia, Sean is right there, and um, he said, in August and September of 2020, in the middle of COVID, he said, I had this impression. I, I had so many stories, but I could only use Sean's because it was the best one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, every story, every, you know what? Every miracle is what you need. And some of you need a miracle today that your neighbor doesn't need, but you need it. And God's like, I'm big enough for all my kids. I, got, I know exactly what you need. I know exactly what you need. And uh, he said, in the middle of COVID, I had this impression we should sell our house and move. It didn't make any sense at all. During COVID... He said, I didn't tell anyone, including Nassie, his wife, for about a month, but the sense we should move wouldn't go away and intensified. I thought I should get it out into the open, and he talked with his wife about it, which is a good thing to do, man. <laughs> Ladies, I teed you up there. If you're not going to back me up, then I'll, I'll just keep going. Okay. And she took us over to talk with Pastor Corey right away, because he's a real estate mogul. And he didn't have any red flags, and we listed and sold our house. Okay, the short version... They got a way nicer house before the prices went up. Ridiculously low price. They sold their house at premium. It was a complete miracle. And can I say this about, about all of us? Uh, me and Sean and Nassia. We're not that smart. <laughs> Especially Sean. <laughs> the miracle was real weird. And odd and unpredictable. Here's what I would say. I knew God was going to do something special for them though. Because the pipeline is predictable. And they've been building the pipeline for years. And I, I know what God does to his sons and his daughters who build the pipeline with him. I've watched that pipeline and, and that home houses small groups and sets people free. 
because they don't think it's theirs. They think it's God's. And, uh, and sometimes you need a resurrection. And uh, let's read this resurrection story here. It happened one day that Elisha went to uh, a city and there was a notable woman there. She's a woman of some influence and her husband was like a business owner and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And this is quite interesting here because we're, we're learning how, how she builds a miracle because one day her son dies. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I don't want to, I will surprise you with it when it happens, but that's, it's coming. And the pipeline is being built right now. So, so some of us, we sit by the side of the road and we're like, oh, notice me, Lord. And she's like, I should maybe feed him. You know what I mean? And so like cook a meal for somebody or like do something for somebody or, you know what I mean? Like it, that gets you noticed. It, here's, here's the thing. The kindness of Jesus puts you in proximity with Jesus. And some of us, we just want to be noticed because we're special. And God's like, all my kids are special, but I don't respond to need. I respond to faith, right? So she invests. She says to her husband, look, this is what we're going to do because God told me to it. And I don't want you to disagree with me. No. Part of the pipeline. She says, um, I know that this is a holy man who passes by us. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. I'm going to need some of your resources, please, if you would be kind to me. Uh, let us put a bed there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Now, she didn't go to the thrift store to get this stuff. Right? So this cost her. Like she, she didn't go to Ikea. Nobody goes to Ikea. It's like a maze in there. She went to some place and got some pretty nice stuff, not because the man of God needed it, but because she needed to give it and she needed to. Now, th listen, the, the part of the pipeline is this, it's this word that's called a hook. I think there's a hook. Your investment is the hook. Somebody had to give up the, the salt. Salt was hugely, was a huge commodity back then. Right? Somebody had to pay the price for this room. That hook, your investment. See, cause most of the time you need a miracle because of what the enemy is doing in your life. And you'll pull shoot if you don't have a hook in you yet. So when I invest in my local church, then that's a hook that God's got in me. And that fish will get in the boat. But if I don't invest, then the next thing that happens, the blowout that'll happen, the enemy will get you isolated, but you won't have a hook. And then the pipeline can't be built. We used to put conduit together with set screw connectors. You had to tighten those down. Every time you give, every time you serve, you tighten, every time you help, every time you pray, you, you tighten the screws down so that you don't get a blowout in your life. And so, um, it's why the devil hates when you commit your time to God's house, because it makes his job like a million times harder. It happened one day when he came there and he turned to, uh, into the upper room, he lay down there and he said to a servant, uh, call this woman. And he said, say to her, uh, you've been concerned with us with all of this care. What can I do for you? Now, he didn't say this to anybody else because nobody else built him a room. He wasn't around them. He said, do you want me to speak to the king or the commander of the army? I have a lot of influence. Like, what do you need? I don't know what you need. Watch this. Um, she says, I'm good. He said, what's to be done for her? Now she's not there. And he says to his servant, and even this guy, as dumb as he is, he's like, actually, she doesn't have a son. And he's like, I'm a little surprised that you don't know that. <laughs> If, for a woman not to have to be married and not have a, ha, uh, have a child and particularly a son to carry on the family line, that was the biggest deal in her life. That was the biggest deal in any woman's life. It's not that big a deal anymore. That was the biggest thing.
for her. And um, she's just been so disappointed for so long, she's afraid to say it. Because it's been no up till now. And so um, Elisha says, call her. He says, a year from now, you'll have a son. And she said, no. No, my Lord. Like, don't, don't do this. Basically, like, don't do this. Miracles confront the places of your deepest fears and needs. But when the miracle comes, see, the devil can threaten you in your disappointment. But when God comes and turns the tables and it's a miracle, the devil can't put his, that gun to your head anymore and threaten you with the thing that you're afraid of. Um, the woman, she got pregnant and bore a son. Uh, the child grew. Now it happened one day. Are you ready? Everything's good. And maybe this happened to you. He went out to, to help his dad in the field. He's probably just a little boy. He just wants to be with his dad. He's out there with the servants. And he's like, he says, my head, my head gets a massive headache. So he says to his servant, oh, he's got a headache. Take him home to his mom. Um, He's like, dad, he's like, well, he's got a headache. Just take him home to his mom. And um, he, he taken him and brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and died. In a few short hours, the dream that God, somebody, God gave you a dream a long time ago. And it's dead. It's sitting on your lap. And this dream, and she's the only one who knows. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Whose room? There's no miracle in her room. Whose room? All of a sudden, the investment uh, doesn't seem like a lot. Right? All of a sudden, the food that she spent doesn't seem like a lot anymore. There's only one room that matters. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys. Nobody knows what's happened. But she says, please, not demanding. Please, um, can I use some of your workers right now? I may run to the man of God and come back. She doesn't demand. Part of the pipeline. Part of the pipeline. And he said, why are you going? It's not, the new it's not like a feast. It's not the Sabbath. It's not Sunday. Why are you going to church? She said, it is well. Part of the pipeline. Faith. It is well. She's gotten to the place emotionally where it's like, if he lives or dies, it will be okay. I don't know how, but God will still be God and I'll still be okay. Come on. It'll still, it's going to be okay because God is going to be bigger than this. It is well. She's just not vomiting fear like a junior high girl. She's just not going to vomit what she thinks and what she feels in her pain and her breast and her anger at God. She's just not going to do it. It is well. I'm just going to hold this out here for now. She sat all the time. Come on up, worship team. Guys, I'm going a little late. I forgot how to preach and like. Just give me two more minutes. Can I have two more minutes? Is this, is this going to, just trust that it's going to help you, I think. And I want to preach it with these people up here because I, I know they already heard this, but they're going to be shocked again, right? They're like, oh my goodness, what happened? Okay. Um, she saddled a donkey. She went to the man of God on the mountain. So it was when the man of God saw her, he's like, says to his servant, why is she here? Run now and say, are you okay? 
Is your husband okay? Is your child okay? Because nothing else would bring you here. What's wrong? She answered the servant, it is well. Meaning like, it's great, everything's great, but you're not him. And I have a right to him. If your father mistreated you, you don't know that you have a right to come to your father. Not because of anything you did, but because he's your father. You have a right to come to the throne of grace. You have a right to ask for help in times of need. You have a right to a miracle because God is your God, not because you did. She uh, came to the man of God. She caught him by the feet. I feel like a lot of people would, their dreams wouldn't still be dead if you just have the humility to catch the man of God by his feet. I'm not talking to me. I'm just talking like, like wherever you got to go and whatever you have to do, I'm not going to look dignified with a dead dream. I was going to give up my dignity and see what God wants to do. And the, the servant came near to push her away. Like, no, you don't, you don't do this. And the, the man of God said, let her alone. Her soul is in deep anguish. The Lord has hidden it from me. I don't know what's going on. She said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Then he said to his servant, get yourself ready. Take my staff. He's like, now I know what's wrong. He goes, run to her house and put the staff on the child's face. And you're like, that's not how I would resurrect a child. And God's like, right. So he goes and it doesn't work. But she says to Elisha, I'm not leaving you. So he can go, my child is back there, but I'm staying with you. I need to be here. I need to be where God speaks right now more than I need to be with my son. Elisha comes into the house, verse 32. There was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, shut the door, and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and he did what you would do to resurrect a child. He lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes. You're like, I, I don't, that sounds embarrassing. And God's like, did you want the miracle? Because you can't keep your pride and your dignity and get the miracle. God's the only one who gets praised out of this. She's not going to look at the man of God and be like, oh, that was amazing. She's going to be like, that was creepy. But here's, watch. He stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Come on, church, you're here to touch dead people. You might have it all together now, but you forgot the brokenness you came from. You're here to touch dead people. You're here to be with dead people. You're here to be in the mess and in the dirt with people. He returned to walk back and forth in the house. And here's mom in the house, like, watching him go back and forth. And she does not say a thing. What kind of self-control part of the pipeline? Doesn't question, doesn't get angry. She's just going to let it breathe. He went up, stretched himself out on the child. This child sneezed seven times. How many times? How many times in the river? Ask me why. I don't know. I'm not God. But it's a miracle. And the child opened his eyes. And he's like, get off of me. She came in. He said, pick up your son. She went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, picked up her son and went out. But that son never belonged to her after that. It belonged to God. Here's the miracle that I think you need today. I was praying about this. I just have a sentence. That your problems are too big because your heart is two sizes too small. 
and a big heart can endure a lot of injustice and a lot of pain. And the hearts of sons and daughters, people out there can't get healed of what you can get healed of, son of God, daughter of God. I know you've experienced hurt and pain, I have. But the miracle that God gave me was a heart that wasn't the heart of the Grinch, which was two sizes too small. And God gave me a heart that's three sizes bigger than the two sizes that was too small. And I feel like that's what God wants to do. If your heart was bigger, you'd love your teenager and you'd be okay. I don't mean you let them get away with, I just mean, I think if you got that miracle, I think you could handle the rest of everything that you're facing right now. And I've asked the prayer team afterwards, like if you wanna respond to this, you feel comfortable doing that, go get somebody to pray. Tell them about the miracle you need. You gotta say it. I need this. I have a right to be here. I need this. I don't know if you're going to get it, but they're not going to tell you about the miracle. They're going to tell you how to build a pipeline. Because I said, pray about the pipeline. Pray about the bowl of salt. Pray about the thing that God wants you to do so that the pipeline gets a miracle to you. Father, you are faithful and you are God. And we promise you right now that whatever you do is going to belong to you. When we, when we make the hose into our yard, then we brag about our yard. But when you build a pipeline and you give us the miracle, we brag about you. And Father, I pray that we would remember the Lord. That, that there was a time, Lord, that you, Jesus, healed ten lepers and only one came back and said thank you. Maybe only one kept his healing, Father. But maybe we'd be the one that always comes back and remembers the name of the Lord.